kind of what I guess the kind of the format that will kind of go is, um, you know, obviously the, the biggest thing um, is to get, you know, your your insight. Obviously, you've got you've had a lot of experience. Um, obviously, you know, coaching. Um, obviously, in the youth setup. Uh, obviously, in the MLS academy setup. In the college, you know, from Division One, Division Three schools, and also working with uh, professional players and working with pro teams as well. So. Um, you know, just kind of, I'll kind of start off with a couple questions or get some thoughts from you and then I'll kind of go around uh, the group and they'll kind of ask you one or one or two questions that they have. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. You. Um, so I guess, I guess, I, I mean, some of the guys were at the presentation you gave in the fall, but for, for those that maybe weren't there, uh, maybe if you just want to start by just, I guess, just introducing yourself and stuff like that. Yeah, first off, thanks for having me. Really appreciate the uh, the invitation to, to join tonight and speak with everybody. And I know it's a, kind of a challenging time that everybody's trying to get through. So I hope everybody's safe and uh, families are safe and all that. But uh, my name is Nate Kish. I work right now with the uh, Youth Academy at DC United. I, I currently coach the U15 Academy as, as the head coach. Uh, I just finished my third year with DC United's Academy uh, and was also before that the, my first two years I was a U19 and U23 coach um, within the within the academy so this year was was very different coaching U15s and kind of um, seeing the differences between the two age groups and uh, the mentalities of the players and, and things like that so it was a really beneficial year for me in a lot of different ways. Um, Aside from that, I also run a, uh, a college soccer recruiting consulting business called Kish Soccer Placement that I uh, came out and spoke with uh, the team and just kind of gave everybody some, some uh, ideas and guidance on the college recruiting process and, um, you know, just help to debunk some myths and uh, give some ideas about how you can help to push your own college recruiting process forward. So, uh, you know, if I can help in any way, whether it's from the college recruiting side of things or just with, you know, soccer advice or questions, you know, in the DMV, uh, you know, Boxy can help get you in touch with me. I'm happy to answer any questions or, uh, you know, help in any way. But before DC United, I was kind of going down the uh, uh, college path for a while. So I coached at a few Division three schools, Catholic University, Frostburg State University, uh, Capital University, which is where I'm from in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Emory and Henry College down in Southwest Virginia. And then I was uh, a volunteer assistant at Ohio State University with the men's program and Wake Forest University with the men's program. So uh, a couple of Division One opportunities and, and good experiences there and then some Division Three experiences. And then right before um, coming to D.C., I was with FC Cincinnati, which is now in the MLS, but it was the first year uh, that they were in the USL is the, the year that I, year and a half I was there. So uh, ended up leaving there and coming back here to DC. So things have kind of come full circle for me from, you know, coaching college and youth to uh, professional and, and now kind of having a, a position where I can kind of see both sides of it with youth players that want to be professionals and then also getting some good experiences on the field with, uh, you know, the USL program, Loud United, to uh, DC United, the first team, kind of helping out at trainings 
every now and then. And I was lucky enough to go down to preseason with the first team recently. So getting to see stuff behind the scenes and close up uh, with professionals, I, I think is a, is a really neat experience. So I, I'm really uh, feel lucky to be in the position that I'm in. Oh yeah, so it's obviously pretty, you know, like as coach is saying, it's got a lot of a lot of experience and in all levels and all in a lot of ways, all ages as well. Um, so I guess just kind of to jump jump straight into it, obviously with that with that being said, you know, one of the biggest things that you know we try to tackle this year as a group uh, is adversity and how do we how how do we control maybe our emotions in the game or how important of a role does you know being able to battle adversity how, how how have you seen with your experience um not only with you know maybe with the academy but also you know in the in the pro level too how important of a role does um you know handling adversity and um how, how much of a role does that play do you think yeah i mean i think uh just being mentally strong you know is is the best way to describe it with like you know what your what your own mentality is and, and how mentally strong you are to overcome you know a lot of things in your life so not only just from a footballing perspective but um i think we are who we are you know so if you're mentally strong um you know to survive things football wise whether that's you know training and, and matches not going your way or uh, you know, somebody trash talking you on the field or a coach not dressing you or not starting you um, or, uh, uh, you know, just an opponent who's hard to break down. You know, there's so many different uh, ways to be mentally strong on the field. But I, I think if you can shape yourself and you can be mentally strong on the field, it will help you to be mentally strong off the field when, when life gets tough, you know. And like right now, life is very difficult for a lot of people. Our routines are, are broken down and, you know, we can't see our friends and family. And uh, a lot of people are going through a lot of personal challenges right now. But uh, I think the, the lessons that you learn from being mentally strong on the field carry over. So um, I think it's one of the most important things. and It's probably, you know, a really overlooked trait in a lot of ways um, from players and, and maybe like, you know, parents or, or, or people who haven't. Uh, you know, been on the decision-making side of, of rosters and, and lineups and things like that. But I think when you get behind the scenes and you see coaches and how they talk about players, especially at the highest levels, uh, you know, a player's mental, mental aspect and just his mental side of the game and how he handles adversity is always in the conversation. You know, how professional he is, how he conducts himself, um, you, you know, how good of a teammate he is. To me, these are all mental things. These are all parts of a, of a player's mentality. So they all come through. So I to continue to rise through football, whether it's club to academy, you know, high school to college, uh, you know, college to professional, I think you're, you're always going to see that, you know, the higher the level, the, the, the more challenging the, you know, the mental challenges can be. So uh, your mentality is constantly being tested there. And I, and I think people are, mentality is something that people are always watching. You know, if a, if a foul doesn't go your way or a ref, you know, makes a bad call that you don't agree with, do you yell at the ref and kick the ball and pout? Or are you willing to just, you know, walk away and you have the mentality to survive that call? And like we said, with the, with the coaches and your teammates, if you have a difficult teammate to deal with, how do you mentally survive it? You know? So I think coaches have a pretty good handle on every player's mentality, you know, and I think it, 
everybody's always watching that, even though players might not know. Um, and, and I guess for in terms of, you know, this is, I guess, um, kind of kind of going off that a little bit. And we talk about a lot, you know, professionalism on, you know, being on time, uh, you know, making sure, you know, you're, you know, you're there, you know, you're there 10, 15 minutes before the session, you're helping with gear and stuff like that. You know, how, how much, you know, again, how much even, I don't know if it was stuff that was brought up, you know, I don't know whether the culture of the team and stuff is brought up during the French course as well, but I guess from, you know, maybe practices that you do, um, how, how would you, how would you say that, you know, how important is it that the players themselves can help really bring the culture through, you know, through a club, you know, how important of a role to set an example for, for the players is that, um, you know, how big is that for you in terms of, yeah, the guys kind of um, trying to bring out that culture that you're, that you're bringing there. So, um, you know, let's say, for example, um, you know, I think someone brought up the example once that, you know, Atletico Madrid, you know, everyone's bringing a goal, um, you know, everyone's there at least 15, 20 minutes before, uh, before the session. How much of an impact does that actually provide when it comes to training and into games? Does does it make uh, does it make an impact, or what do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the 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 players are the culture. You know, so the the culture is determined by the players. The coach can can have whatever ideas he wants in place about how he wants this culture to run and you know how he wants everything to tick and, and and you know how he wants everybody to respect each other and he wants everybody to, to fight for each other but the reality is is the players are the ones who who make it tick you know the players are the are the uh the engine you know so um the players define the culture and the more the more uh the more important the culture is to the players i think the more they're going to get out of it you know so uh, if, if, if the culture is only important to the seniors and, but the juniors, sophomores and freshmen don't care about the culture, then it's just going to carry over to the next year, you know? So, uh, it's gotta be everybody together and it's gotta be a decision that, that the players make. And, you know, obviously the, uh, you know, a group is stronger than any individual. So the more that a group can, can decide, this is what we want to accomplish. This is how we're going to accomplish it. And the more they can hold each other accountable, you know, to accomplishing that and the, the little things that go into accomplishing something, um, that, then it becomes even more and more powerful. So um, everything that I've seen about culture and, and teams and things like that, like it's because the, the, the people are good within the culture. The, the, the team, the players buy into it, they believe in it, and they convince each other of it, you know, and they hold each other accountable along the way. So um, it's one thing to, to be individually bought in to carrying a goal every day or, or grabbing the flags or the balls. But it's another thing to look across and tell a teammate, you know, I'm doing this every day. It'd be nice if you could help. Or, you know, he's doing something every day. It'd be nice if you could help and you could, you could do what we're doing. That, that has a lot of power to that message has a lot of power to it. And I don't think you have to be a jerk about it. You know, I think you can, you can just say, look, this is the team culture. Nobody's more important than anybody. Everybody helps clean up the gear. You know, everybody helps score the goals. It's just a, a team collective approach. So uh, it's tough to do, though, you know, and I think that's why culture, when you see a culture that is really impressive, 
it's rare, you know, because it is very difficult to pull it off and to get everybody to buy into it. Um, but, you know, the, the guys are the ones that drive that culture. So it's really cool. I think if, if the players are into it and you, you research different culture, you know, the culture of different teams and, you know, how bought into being a team they are, some of the best teams from the history of, you know, sports, let alone just football. Uh, I think the guys would find some really cool stuff. Like typically the, the teams that accomplish, you know, championship, the, the win championships and accomplish so much, there's usually something behind their culture about why they are winning, you know? So it'd be really cool to, to look into some of those things. All right. Um, so what we're going to do, I guess, is now we'll just move to, uh, to the individual questions. Obviously there's quite a few of us in here. So uh, I think for now, maybe we'll just at least everyone will get one, one question and then we'll see how we're doing uh, on time. Uh, I know coach, uh, coach Charlie has got a runoff a little bit earlier. So we'll start with uh, coach Charlie and then I'll go through from, uh, the list or the view that I have here on my screen. So yeah, if you know, think of a question that you'd like to ask Coach Coach Kish. Um, anything obviously appropriate from you know any of his experiences, um, whether it's in the pros with, with DC United or you know within college as well. So uh, we'll start with uh, Coach Charlie. Coach, thanks for coming. Um, I have I could probably ask you a thousand questions and keep you here all night if you let me, but. Uh, I know you're on a short time frame, and um, I know the guys have a lot of questions, so I'm just going to yield my time uh, to them because this is what it's all about. And uh, thanks again for sharing your precious time. We really do appreciate it. No, awesome. Happy to be here, so appreciate it. To, uh, we'll go to Xavier. So obviously, again, make sure that you guys introduce yourself as well um, to, to Coach Nate. So yeah, Xavier. Okay, I'll, you, can't, you guys can unmute yourself as well, but I'll do it. My name is Xavier Waz, and I was wondering, when you're choosing a player, what are the top qualities you're looking for in that player? Like, for instance, with, uh, like with the academy right now? Yes. Yeah, you know, I think the things that stick out, uh, obviously, are like being an, an impactful player. So somebody that is going to impact the game uh, beyond the level of the current playing pool, you know? So if I'm a U15 coach and I coach 2005 boys, uh, you know, birth year, I'm looking at 2005 boys that will come in and they're going to compete or add something into that current team, you know? So they're going to be an impact player. They're a, they're a better defender than what I have. Uh, they're a, they're a striker who scores goals, you know? So they're impactful on, on the, on the team and they can, compete with the uh to start you know is kind of like the short answer I think from that that can't be the only thing you look for because as we just talked about with like mentality and, and so many other aspects to the game uh there's just too many other things that that define if the player is going to be a good fit one of the things that we definitely look for is like is the guy going to be a problem within the culture and we've passed on a lot of good players because of players who uh, or attitudes and personalities that were just like, we've seen things at training, even when the kid has been on a trial of like not picking up bibs. You know, I, I can tell you a specific incident where we didn't select a kid who we, who was a very, very good player on a trial 
and he just rubbed us the wrong way because everybody else was picking up gear and uh, he kind of like tossed the gear back to a DC player. Uh, and it was kind of like, you know, uh, everybody else is willing to pick up gear and, and you're not. And we, we don't ever make our, our guests and trialists clean up gear. Uh, this was kind of a special situation where he was training, uh, you know, from a, a different club and uh, everybody else just kind of started doing it that night, you know? So it was, it was really, really a weird one to, to, to witness. Um, I think the other things you look for are obviously like physical maturity when you're looking at youth players. So you're looking at who has the physical tools to compete on the field because it's becoming more and more important in the game. Uh, you know, just kind of like special athletic qualities. Does he have the pace? You know, is he physically, you know, so strong that uh, he's, he's making an impact with his physical components. Uh, and I, I think the mentality is a big one. Like you can tell if a kid wants to win, even a small sided game, you can tell how competitive a kid is. You can tell um, how good of a teammate somebody is after you've seen enough kids and been through enough tryouts and things like that. Like you can start to see those things. The big answer is the whole package. The, the short answer is an impact in as many areas, you know, as possible with an impact on the field being one of the most important. Thank you. Hopefully that answered that. Yeah, thanks, it did. Thanks, Xavier. Uh, Nikki, you have a question? Yeah. Uh, hey, Coach, I'm Nikki. Uh, my question just was, um, having working with such a variety of age groups at DC United, is there anything you noticed, um, like, I guess, stuck out to you about the game at all levels, I guess? uh the game it kind of like at at each within each age group yeah yeah it's really interesting um this year you know with the 19s over the last couple of years in the 23s it was a really cool experience because i was coaching men basically you know like i'm coaching uh junior seniors in high school i'm coaching guys that are back after their freshman sophomore junior years in college so you're coaching men who physically can do anything that you ask them to do they can perform anything. They can absorb uh, any concept that you ask them about. So it's really interesting to uh, take that group and compare them to U15s who physically their bodies are still maturing and they're, uh, you know, they're still catching up to their peers, a lot of them, whereas a lot of them are also maybe more physically mature. And that's one of the reasons why they might be more successful in the game. Um, but the game ends up leveling out, right? Like all players, if you're the biggest kid in your age group this year, next year, or even by the spring, if you, you're the biggest kid in the fall, by the spring, other kids might have caught up to you. So it's so important to continue to add to your game. Uh, I think a big one that really stuck out to me with the 19s was uh, just their mentality as well about like if they were satisfied or not about what their future their current situation was, you know, and how that compared to what they wanted their future to be. Like, if you want to just go to college and you're fine with that, a lot of kids commit in their junior year. So do you just take your foot off the pedal and you stop trying in your senior year? Or, or are you like willing to push and push and push, not knowing what else you might be able to accomplish or, or who's watching? So I think a lot of these guys, um, when I coached with the 19s, kind of saw that maybe 
the first team wasn't, you know, as interested in them or they might not have been training with the first team every day. And that became discouraging to them. And, and I think they took their foot off the, the pedal in a lot of ways, which was natural. Um, but again, it's a test of the mentality. So you never know what is around the corner. You know, you never know um, who's watching and when your opportunity comes. And we've had some really cool zoom calls with like players from the first team and uh, you know, homegrown players who are playing for other clubs now and the mental side of it keeps coming up from those players they keep saying how important that mental side is Donovan Pines who's a current center back with our first team shared with our U15 team the other night that when he was on the U15 team he was playing five minutes a game so this is a current professional who also won a national championship at the University of Maryland but when he was on our U15 academy team he was playing five minutes a game so it would have been easy for him to just say uh, I'm not going to make it. I'm a 15, 16 year old. I'm only playing five minutes a game. This isn't the sport for me. And he could have gone and played basketball, but his dad actually said he wanted him to, to switch clubs. And Donovan said, no, I'm staying here. I'm fighting through it. And he's a professional now. It's a really cool moment, you know, to even think about. So the mental side is always there through the age groups. You can see right away who has the right mentality, who has, you know, the desire to be a pro, uh, the, the desire to play at the next level doesn't even have to be desire to, to play, be a pro who, who wants to compete. Um, and the physical side of the game is just, it, it's so, it's such a big component, you know, just your ability to, to run, your ability to work, how strong you are, uh, your understanding of the game is, is there from age group to age group to age group. Um, and then just the, 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 the desire to compete that's always there as well. And that's why I really like coaching the 15s this year is because I kind of introduced them um, in a lot of ways where this is like the first year where we start really competing, taking them to like MLS only events. And uh, it was fun to, to, to in introduce them to competing in a lot of ways. Whereas the 19s, they know they have to go out and compete every, every day, every year. The 17s are like that. Um, so yeah, th those things are always there though. Okay, thank you. Tyler? Um, afternoon, coach. My name is Tyler. Um, at coaching at DC, do you guys like um, coach like your center backs and like other positions to be versatile? Like, do they like go through like training as a center midfielder or something or anything? Yeah, I would say after kind of um, the U14 year, we really want them to start specializing in one position, you know, um, because their time is limited. And, and when you look at kind of soccer globally, you're, you're looking at how, you know, like how early players are signing professional contracts for a specific uh, position. So for us, you know, we, we try to get these guys, look at them and say, well, what's, what's his best chance to make it as a professional? Cause that's, that's our job is to produce professional players. And that, that's what we want our focus to be. Um, so when we look at it through that lens, we have to say, well, if he's going to be a professional, what is his best, what is his most likely position as a professional? Is it a center back? Is it a winger? Whatever it might be. And then we try to really uh, train that player to master that position. So I would say after you 14 year, we really try to get them to focus on one position. 
there's th there's certainly times where we move players around and we experiment or we challenge the players in different ways. Uh, and I think a big way to do that is to uh, is to you know teach them different positions and kind of throw them into the fire in different ways with that and challenge them differently. Um, but I would say it happens prior to the U15 year. After that, they need to learn how to play the position. All right, thank you. Justin, Frias. Hey, um, my name is Tristan. Uh, I was at the last meeting that you held with us. I don't remember when it was, but I don't actually have a question to ask for you today. So yeah. Okay, perfect. I think we'll let us know. It can be about college. It can be about professional. Whatever you guys want. DC United. Whatever you guys are, are curious about. That was that was interesting. Yeah. So Tristan actually, um, Tristan actually is going to play at SUNY Cortland next year as well. So um, yeah. So he's one of our one of our seniors that is uh, moving on to uh, to play uh, play as well. Um, oh, congrats. Nathan Ferber, you you got a question? Hi, uh, my name's Nathan Ferber. I'm a center back, and I'm wondering for you as a coach, who did you who really inspired you to take up coaching? Wow, I don't know if I've ever had that question. It's a really cool question. Uh, I would say my dad. You know, my dad was was kind of always involved in sports. Uh, he was like a softball coach and a, a basketball coach, just kind of like locally but I kind of always went to his games growing up and uh can re remember seeing him coaching on the sidelines and he would like still they were like men's league so he would still like sub in and play like a player coach kind of and then definitely my my uncle uh my uncle Tim coached division one football for 35 years or so uh he retired coaching at the University of Oklahoma uh, you know, kind of the last within the last few years when they've been in like the, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, final four national championship uh, bowl series. So that was really cool to see him go out on, on top like that. And uh, he was at the University of Arizona. He was uh, before that he, he was at Illinois Northwestern Army. So some some big time uh, division one football schools. So he was just somebody I was always close to. Uh, from a coaching perspective, but not really like a soccer perspective. So uh, I probably would be a lot further along in my coaching career if I would have been a Division One football coach because I probably could have just uh, leaned on him to for his network, you know, pretty easily. But uh, soccer-wise, you know, I tried to learn from every coach that I've been around. And, you know, whether that's doing a session with Coach Box, you, you, you pick something up. Doing a session with, you know, our academy director, Dave Sanford, or – you know, when it was Ryan Martin before, you, you pick something up. It, it might even be like, well, I don't like exactly how he's doing it. I might do it this way or that way, but you pick things up. So I would say I get inspired every time I see a session, you know. Our first team assistant coach right now, uh, Nolan Sheldon, I think is one of the uh, brightest minds, you know, in the game right now. So learning from him as much as possible is something I'm, I'm really big on. And, you know, I take a lot from him. Our head coach, Ben Olson, obviously has a wealth of experience playing in the league and uh, coaching in the league now for, for, you know, eight or 10 years and, you know, being at DC United and, and being able to stay in one position, which is extremely difficult in the professional world. So 
you know, I take a lot away from him. So I would say I'm inspired every day by a lot of different people, but uh, the family ties are the ones that stick out right away. Thank you. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, I, it's quite funny because I said the, I said the same exact thing about uh, Coach Nolan as well. I think we're actually uh, maybe fortunate to to have him on next week. So uh, that wow. would be a really, really good one for you guys um, to, to again, kind of to soak that all in. I think uh, Coach Nolan definitely aspires, at least within the academy, aspires all of us to, um, you know, in, in, in a lot of different ways. So he'll be he'll be a really good one to uh, to basically just kind of soak soak that all in. Um, all right, cool, Ryan. Send me the link for that one so I can tune in. Oh, okay, yeah, no, no worries. We can do <laughs> it too. Um, my name's Ryan, and my question is: As a coach, do you have a set philosophy that you like to follow? Or does it change from team to team? Kind of like my playing philosophy? Uh, yes. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's, there's certainly a way that I see the game, and I think that develops over time with the more experiences, uh, you know, that, that any coach has. And uh, kind of like the, the last question, with those influences you have, you know, you, uh, sometimes your, your decisions on the field change. So um, here at D.C., it's been a, I've had a, a lot of positive influences on the game, and I've had a lot of time, um, you know, and I've been a head coach of, you know, three age groups now where, I can just kind of work on my craft of what my philosophy really is, you know, and uh, when you're an assistant coach, sometimes you don't have that, uh, that luxury, you know, and I was an assistant coach in college for a while and I was a head coach for two years and uh, then kind of back to an assistant with FC Cincinnati and kind of a, you know, more of a scouting role really. And uh, so it's been nice to just focus on my philosophy now and um, how I see the game. So, you know, might might be generic, but like, you know, I, I want to keep the ball and, you know, I want to play entertaining soccer. Like I want to uh, teach the guys the right way to play and, uh, but also tell them, you know, some of the simplest ways to play. So sometimes those are, uh, those are contradicting, um, you know, philosophies, you know, so to keep the ball and to play out of the back versus if there's space in behind, can you kick him behind and, you know, get him behind as easy as possible? It's like, I think you have to also find the right balance of uh, simplifying the game for the players. And ultimately that's my job, right? So your, your job sometimes also um, in getting results or, uh, you know, teaching, teaching the simplicity of the game, sometimes that does contradict what you might believe the game is in a lot of ways. So um, that's been a, a kind of a crossroads for me too over the last few years is, is how do I balance that? Right. So um, I would say I, I, I've, I'm molding my philosophy every day is the short answer and uh, continuing to chip away at it and really define it a lot better than I have in years past. So um, within that, we have a game model at DC United that I need to stick to. And there's certain principles that I need to highlight and I need to hit. Um, and I need to make sure that I'm, uh, transferring that knowledge to the players, you know, on a, on an annual basis. So, uh, that ultimately is, is my job. Uh, Chris, you got a question, Chris? Yeah, I'm Kristen. I'm going to sign this little. 
what do you think the difference between Wake Forest and the under 15 national team is with regards to like playing style and discipline? The difference between Wake Forest and the U15 national team? Yes. Wow, it's a good question. Um, I think at Wake Forest, kind of like the last question, I think it's a, it's a true team, right? So there's a true philosophy. There's a true playing style. There's an identity. Uh, players are recruited to uh, come there and fill a specific role. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a really good culture there. So there's, there's a history, right? Um, so there's a lot of things, I think, that define what Wake soccer is. The U15 national team is a carousel of players. It's a rotating carousel, right? Where this cycle, if this was a normal time right now, in two weeks they might have a camp that has 30 players there. And then they like 15 of them. And then the next cycle, you know, in July, they bring in 15 new players. So it's very difficult to define a culture and, you know, a, a team when that's your reality, like it's constantly camps, it's constantly uh, new players coming in. It's players that play all across the country, all around the world. And they're coming together, you know, for events or, um, you know, month long, month long camps or whatever it might be. So if you're not a residential um, national team setup, which there's not many of them because that's just the, the culture of national teams, um, then it's going to be difficult to ever define a, a team culture, you know? So that's the biggest thing that sticks out. I think, it, you know, obviously the, the physical maturity, right? You're talking about U, U23 players in college versus U15 players who are still growing and maturing physically, like we talked about. And uh, players at Wake Forest, they're mentally, you know, very mature. They know why they want to be at Wake Forest. They want to be pros. They want to, you know, what they want to accomplish professionally, on the field, off the field, uh, whereas U14 players are, are very much still going through, you know, the, the, the maturity and, you know, puberty and things like that. So it's two very different times in life as well. But it's an interesting question. Thank you. Dom, you got a, you got a question? Yeah, I was wondering – during college recruiting, when you come to see a player's game, it's often during, like, short spans of time. So, as, like, a six or an eight, those positions, like, what are you looking for? Because a lot of the time you're playing, like, super simple. So, like, how do you, like, really see, like, what that player is, like, capable of? Yeah, you know, I think, again, college coaches are looking for different things, and every coach is looking for something different um, with, with how they scout, you know. And even within a staff, I think there's differences of opinion. So, um, I think you have to find the balance of plain simple and, you know, uh, not taking unnecessary risks versus taking risks that are going to make yourself stick out, you know, a six or an eight, you're going to have the ball a lot. You're going to dictate the game. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to have a big influence on the game potentially, um, or you're not, you know, so do you find a way to stick out within that? within each moment, you know? So I think something that makes a lot of players stand out is also what they do without the ball. So what do you do within transition? You know, how hard do you work in transitional moments? How smart are you with and without the ball? How hard do you work 
defensively? How, how much do you organize the pieces around you? So what I say I would look for as a scout is going to be different than the coach that's going to come to see you in a week and different from the coach that's going to come and see you two weeks from then from a different school. So uh, that's why I think it's really important to get to know that coach and the players on his roster uh, before you or as you go through the recruiting process. So can you watch a full game on YouTube or if you can go to the campus and see a game live, it's important to see how they play. So if you see that they play more direct and they put more balls in behind, that might be something that they want to see from their, their six or their eight. What's your range of passing like? You know, how, avail- how available to the, to the uh, center backs are you to get the ball and, you know, put balls in behind? Are you constantly looking to see where the back line is? So if you get to know the style of play at the college, it can help you to stand out more. If they really want to build and they want to, you know, advance through the thirds of the game, uh, thirds of the field, then maybe it's more important than you connect smaller, shorter passes, 10 to 15 yards. And then the coach comes and sees you and he says, wow, he really fits into our style of play because he's doing exactly what our guys did in in the match, you know, but um, I think, there's a lot of things off the ball that can really help you to stand out. And, you know, in my opinion, the, the game should go through the central midfield players. They have to play a, a really big role in the match. So how do you stand out? All right. Thank you. Foster, you got a, you got a question? Yeah, I got one. I'm Nathan Foster. I'm a winger. And what are you expecting from players like going into college? In in any specific uh, category? Uh, no, not really. Which one interests you the most? On the mm, field, off the say? field? Oh, on the field, on the field. On the field or off? On the field. On the field. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say by the time you're ready to go into college, on the field, uh, you know, players have to, in my opinion, be competitive. You know, like they have to understand the, the value of, of winning and competing and, you know, getting results. So you have to, A, be competitive. B, you have to figure, you have to know how to win. Like you have to know you know, how to change your game. If you're up a goal, down a goal, up a goal, up a man, down a man. Um, So just like that intelligence of, you know, how to get results um, and the competitiveness that that goes into it. Uh, I would also say like, you know, physically being fit. I think that's a really big one. So, you know, what's your, what's your weight at, you know, how, how mobile are you? Uh, you know, how strong are you? Because you're basically going to go from playing in a U18 league to like a U23 league in the matter of four months from when you stop playing for your club team in May to when you go to preseason in in August, you know? So it's such a big jump that you have to, you know, you're evaluating where this player is at. Is he ready physically? Is he ready, you know, competitively? Is he ready mentally? Um, you know, I think I'm also looking for just like game intelligence, like how intelligent is the player on the field? Is he making the right decisions? Is he evaluating the opponent? Is he, you know, is, is he aware of the the trends that are happening in the game? So 
your opponent's pressing you over and over and over and over, and you're the, you're the goalkeeper or you're the center back or the captain on the team and you keep trying to build, you know, like it doesn't make sense to me. Do you find a way to release the pressure and have your goalkeeper kick a ball over the top just to release the pressure and open the game up a little bit, you know, or are you willing to, to build and then you end up getting turned over and it leads to a goal. So to me, that, that would be filed under game intelligence. If it's a high back line that you're playing against, but you refuse to play balls in behind it, that's game intelligence. You know, like how do you use the space that is available to you? If you have a high back line and the opponent is just chipping balls in behind you and you're a center back and you're not aware of it, and you're not dropping when the player puts his head down and looks behind the back line, that's filed under game intelligence. So I'm looking at those things as a coach to say, where is he really at? You know, so if I'm recruiting you, you know, those things would kind of go into like a positive or negative column for you. Uh, If you're already committed, you know, then I want to help you work through that so that you come in a little, you come in ready to roll, you know, you come in, where the current college team is at, you know? So, um, and I think the last one is just like commitment, commitment to come into preseason ready to go in in every aspect, kind of everything that we just talked about. Like, are you ready to, are you ready and hungry to come into preseason your first year and make an impression and compete, you know? All right. Thank you. Zir, if you're uh, if you're not eating, you got a you got a question for coach here. Hello. Um, I just I just finished eating, but I've been listening this whole time and listening to all the um, points you were saying and answering the questions and stuff. Um, and. I do have a question that came up. So, um, going into college, like, what are the challenges, like, as a freshman, like, do you think that we should expect? So, for you, are you curious about on the field or off the field? Um, both, really. Just challenges in college that we should, like, see coming for us. Yeah, I think you're going in, you're taking one of the most challenging, uh, you're talking about one of the most challenging transitional periods uh, that you're going to, you're going to ever experience um, in terms of like, again, on the field, the physical challenges you're going to, you're going to, you're going to encounter with how different the game is physically, how athletic the game is, how quick the game is how strong the players are. Uh, I think the other one we haven't talked about is like how hungry the players are to not let a freshman take their spot. You know, it's embarrassing to have any player take your position, let alone a freshman. If you're a senior, a junior, a sophomore, like nobody wants to let the freshman come in and, and take their position or the new players. So it's extremely, extremely competitive in so many different ways on the field. Uh, obviously you have to, there's a transitional period where you have to learn the style of play and, you know, uh, in different moments to the game and set pieces and 
things like that and what's expected of you in every moment of the game. So mentally that can be draining on you um, because you have to learn a new system and you have to learn it very quickly in order to compete and not let your teammates down. Um, it's also just college soccer is just a, a grind. You have like, you go into preseason in August and you have all these practices and all these games into basically thrown into like three months, three and a half months from August to, you know, the end of November. And you just have, it's constantly like training, game, training, game, training, game, more so than what you've experienced in high school and club. So imagine how you feel after like a, a three game weekend tournament, you know, and, and that's kind of what, you know, is very similar to like how you feel in college sometimes because you're constantly training and, and having matches and uh, the coaches want to, to really get as much out of you in that fall season as possible. So you're talking about 20 to 30 games in the fall with only one day off per week, usually, and you're having two or three games per week and, you know, usually two or three sessions per week and one day off. So um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a grind for sure. Um, the opposite side of it is that off the field, you're all of a sudden you have mom and dad holding your hand and, uh, paying, paying your bills and cooking your meals and, you know, telling you when you need to be in bed. And then all of a sudden you leave and you're expected to figure it all out on your own. You're expected to manage when you should go to bed. You're expected to manage what you should eat. You're expected to manage what party you should attend and what you shouldn't. And uh, you have all these distractions around you from reality is, is potentially drugs, alcohol, girls, uh, friends, you know, so you have all these distractions and you get thrown into the world and it's up to you to, to sort that out. It's up to you to, to figure out what decisions you, you need to make and what is the right decision and what's not. Um, so there's a lot all of a sudden getting thrown at you uh, and then you have the, the academic piece where, you know, you have six or eight classes you're taking at a time that start at eight in the morning and you didn't go to bed until 2 a.m. because you wanted to play FIFA all night, you know, and you got to get exams done and you got to get, uh, you know, everything in. So it becomes extremely challenging when all this stuff gets thrown at you in the span of, uh, well, really all at once, you know, so uh, as a young man it becomes a lot to manage. So yeah, there's a lot for you to, to look forward to. Thank you. Uh, I guess, uh, coach, one, one thing maybe uh, that might help the group is at least for the majority of them, a lot of them uh, are going to be seniors next year. And obviously, um, you know, in terms of, you know, their junior year, obviously, which is right now, they've obviously been robbed of, you know, the spring season, um, obviously any other, whether it's any other showcases, any other tournaments or whatnot to, to kind of get in front of coaches. And obviously now there's, there's kind of this period of sort of uncertainty in the sense of, you know, either when things will resume or how the landscape of college recruiting for 21 is really going to look. Maybe what advice would you give the guys um, that are 21 graduates, um, obviously trying to continue and doing as much as they can in the, in the 
uh, I guess, in the recruitment process, what would you advise them to be kind of doing right now during this period in terms of whether it's reaching out, contacting them, that, that sort of thing? Yeah, it's probably the question that I've had the most uh, through a lot of these webinars that I've done. And uh, I'll give you the same answer I've, I've given. Um, everybody's going through the same thing. So you, you, can't, you can't sit back and say, uh, woe is me, poor me. You know, my recruiting year got, got affected. Coaches were supposed to come out and see me. Now I'm going to give up. Uh, everybody's going through this together. So we talk again about the mental, the mental strength. So the mental strength to overcome it. Uh, and the mental, just the mentality to realize, like, you can only control what you can control. You're, you know, probably not going to create the vaccine for COVID, uh, you know, and you're not going to be able to, you know, give the government order to, to come back and, and get your team back playing again. Um, but you have the opportunity to uh, ask Coach Box or your coaches if they have the video to your games to watch the games and cut the video. You have the opportunity to sit at your computer all day and look for college coaches' emails and send them an email that says, I'm interested in your college. Here's my profile, here's my video link. I'd love for you to come out and see me play. Um, you have the opportunity to take a virtual campus tour. You have the opportunity to go and drive through a campus right now and talk to nobody, but still get a feeling about that campus, whether you like it or not. You have the opportunity to uh, apply to schools and take that step and you know, get that step out of the way or do the common application or uh, do the NCAA eligibility center. So there's so many other things that you can do right now to take up your time research schools you know do i like maryland let me really look into it boom 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 type it up and look into it so um it's up to you about how you spend this time and how creative with it you can get about other ways you can push your recruiting process forward there is plenty to do you just need to know where to focus your time because you're not going to play a game most likely anytime soon so how else can you get coaches interested in you and can you determine where else you're going to be interested in? That's what it comes down to. I guess anyone, obviously anyone right now, uh, obviously we, are, we have a little bit, little bit, a little bit of time left. So does anyone, it doesn't have to be just the 21s, but if any of you right now have any, uh, you know, coach or well, college recruitment questions for, for, for coach, uh, for Coach Nate, um, before we kind of head out again, I think um, you know. Obviously, I can only I can help with some things, but obviously, Coach Coach Nate has a lot more experience um, in that in that area, in the sense of obviously working with coaches, doing the recruitment process as well. So, if there are any questions that you would like to ask, um, you know, definitely feel free to to kind of you know unmute your mic and and you know ask Coach Nate. Um, you know, while we still have them here. So anyone uh, can kind of, you know, unmute themselves and, and, and ask a question just, uh, again, just as we have them here, I think it's a good idea to get those questions that you're thinking about now. I have a question. Um, I asked this in the last one, but I was wondering from your point of view as a coach, 
when you look at centre-backs, how are the expectations different with college centre-backs and then centre-backs at DC United? Like, do they focus more on, like, weightlifting and athleticism, or is it more all possession? Yeah, you know, I, I can't really give you a blanket answer for, for colleges just because it, it's so different from uh, with all the different colleges out there, all the different styles of play and things like that. Um, I can tell you about, you know, colleges I've been and what I've seen, and um, I would say it's pretty similar, you know, in a lot of ways. I think the big difference I would, I would look at is, like, we, we approach each position from a professional lens. So we try to tell our players – our center back captain with DC United. Uh, you know, how would Fred Briant play, who's a, a French center back for us? Uh, and we just try to give them, you know, how would Donovan Pines play? And that's why connecting Donovan with those players is fantastic. Uh, so we try to approach it from don't look at yourself as a U15 or a U17 or a U19 player. Look at yourself as a professional. What is the professional standard? What do their actions look like? How quickly do they move? How quickly do they make decisions? What are the first things that they think about? Like, like how are they scanning the field? What space are they using? Uh, knowing obviously that there's big differences in the game, professional to academy. Uh, you know, I, I think the majority of division one college soccer players, probably the high majority have professional aspirations. They want to be pros. They're going to play in the most competitive college tier that there is they want to be a professional um so i think it would probably be very similar uh for a lot of college center backs uh i think like their training regimen i think would be you know you have to be good with the ball especially if you want to play good football you have to you got to be comfortable with the ball at your feet you got to be comfortable under pressure so like a center back it's very difficult nowadays to be a, a good effective center back if you're not comfortable with the ball at your feet. So I would place that more weight on that than I would, you know, physically and, you know, what the player can do, how much he can lift, how fast he can run, things like that. Like to me, the player with the ball is what's most important. Um, I'm sure there's coaches out there that would disagree with me. They would probably say, well, he's got to be able to win 50, 50 balls. And he's got to, he's, you know, he's got to, uh, he's got to be able to, 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 get into tackles, he's got to survive, you know, challenges, things like that. So physically he's got to be, he's got to be at a higher level. But to me, it's also like the intelligence of the player. So I would place more value on the player with the ball and the mind, the, the, the intelligence of the center back in any position, like how they deal with situations, how they read the game, um, you know, the, the decisions that they make with the ball, the decisions they make without the ball, so if you're a smart enough player, you don't have to be extremely physically gifted. And there's plenty of examples of that in the center back position and, you know, in every other position on the field. So I value the player with the ball and the mindset a lot more than the, the weightlifting. Thank you. I have a question. What character traits do you look for in a captain? That's a, that's a great question. I, th I think um, 
I think the team voting on the captain is a big one for me, but I think you're also looking at, well, is he just the most popular kid on the team? You know, like, is he just the funniest guy? Is he just the guy that the guys like the most? Is he just the best player? So the, the, the team vote is interesting. Uh, I think I look for the player wanting to be a captain and he wants the pressure. He understands what it means to be a leader, I think is the, is the biggest one. So to be a captain is very different than being a leader. Like to be a leader is very difficult um, if you do it the right way. Like, uh, cause there's a lot of people who won't like you at times if you're an effective leader, you know, like, cause you have to make hard decisions and you have to have hard conversations uh, and you have to do things that coach box talked about of driving the culture forward and holding people accountable. Uh, I look for somebody who's a really good teammate, you know, who's not selfish and would put the team before himself. Um, and he understands that the team will ultimately help him to look better individually and to be showcased better individually. Um, so those would be the big ones. And, you know, I think I think a, a captain also has to be an impact player. He has to have an impact on the field in some way. Um, is it possible to be like a role player and be a captain? Absolutely, but they have to be good at their role. They have to, you know, the player still has to uh, be effective at his role. Thank you. We'll do uh, we'll do one more we'll do one more uh, question for for coach and then we'll kind of uh, obviously wrap things up and um, go from there. So if anyone's got you know one more one more question, we'll you know you can unmute yourself, um, you know ask ask coach Nate and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. So if anyone wants to ask a question, be the last one. If anyone new wants to go, I'll wait. But if not, I've got one more. Yeah, go for an A4. Might as well. All right. So, um, what was the most challenging point in your coaching career? I mean, challenging time in your coaching career, and how did you deal with it? You want to be a coach? I was thinking about something like that. Uh -huh. your, your questions seem like they're more from like a, uh, a coaching perspective than a player's, but it's, uh, I, I really like them and they're interesting. Um, yeah, the, uh, again, I don't know if I've ever had that question. Um, I would say, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really tough question. I would say the one that comes to mind was when I was uh, in Cincinnati and uh, I was at FC Cincinnati and I was brought in by a, a staff uh, and a coach, a couple coaches that I knew and um, the, the club did not renew the, the, those coaches contracts. So I ended up being one of the last coaches left on staff uh, and the kind of the guys I knew left and had moved on and um you know it, it was it was interesting to kind of see uh, me being like the last one to join the staff and then being the last one to kind of be on the staff one of the last ones 
and I can just kind of remember like uh, really being lost, not knowing like where I was supposed to go next in my career because I, I saw like how uh, ruthless the coaching business can be, you know, and how challenging it can be to survive being a coach and, um, you know, like, you know, just kind of making your way through the, through the world. And I had moved my family to Cincinnati and, you know, my wife and uh, it was a challenging time in her life. And to like go through that of like a, a, a change of staffs uh, was really, really challenging for me. And, um, you know, I ended up leaving the, the club as well. And then that's when I ended up coming to Cincinnati or coming to DC after that. So it was a really, really difficult time for me to kind of navigate that, you know, moving across the country from Baltimore to Cincinnati, things not working out exactly as I thought they were going to work out and then having to move back uh, and navigate what the next step was, was the most challenging, you know, piece of my career that I can, I can remember for sure. So, uh, but you know, it's like we said, you have to be mentally strong and, uh, the people you love, you know, support you and, uh, you survive it. And I'm really happy that I ended up at DC United cause it's, it's been a really good experience. So in the moment though, you don't see that you don't see the next step. Like you don't see things are going to be okay. You're going to land at DC United. You're going to have a great experience. Your family's going to be okay. In the moment you're, you're in like crisis mode you 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 know you're you're freaking out and you don't know what's going to happen next so it was a really really challenging time thank you yeah i was just asking those type of questions because like often we talk about tactical side and stuff and it's good to hear something from like a social standpoint and emotional standpoint as well no, it's really, it's really cool. I think those type of questions that are a little deeper are, are really interesting. I was just interested to hear if you were interested in it from like a, a coaching perspective. Thank you. Well, uh, yeah, I think again, for, for you guys, it's been, you know, again, a lot of, a lot of really, really good insight, a lot of good information. Um, you know, as we kind of always say, it's always good to kind of, you know, look back, reflect. Um, so, you know, kind of digest the information that Coach, uh, Coach Nate is, is giving you today. Um, you know, and again, and think about how you want to apply it to yourself. Obviously, we've had or we've been doing meetings where we talk a little bit more about the game than, you know, doing the team workouts or anything like that. So it's important that, you know, as you have this time, uh, where we're not physically together, you know, what parts of your game, um, you know, can you still improve upon? I think in terms of, you know, where you guys are in terms of where you want to be, I think, um, you know, again, it's good to just hear different, a different perspective uh, on what you guys could do and kind of what it's like at those levels and what it's like at those different schools. So, um yeah, really good. Obviously, Coach, uh, it's a pleasure, a pleasure to have you. Thank you, uh, you know, for taking your time to uh, to speak to the group. Again, I think, um, you know, the the value that you provide and the experience that you have is is really really valuable for uh, not only for me as a young coach, but obviously for these guys as well as they start to kind of make their uh, journey through uh, 
through life, really, you know, uh, obviously finishing high school, then to kind of move on uh, to college and, and so forth. So, again, appreciate you taking your time out uh, to speak to the group. Um, yeah, everyone, you know, I guess everyone, thank Coach Coach Nate for, for coming on. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it, Coach. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. I hope you you have a blast night. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Appreciate the time and uh, stay safe out there. And then, obviously, uh, it's really cool to see you guys investing the time in your development right now, whether that's you know on the field or or you know through education, you know webinars and uh, Zoom calls like this. So there's a lot of different ways to learn, and uh, you know this thing will end soon enough. So. Stay positive, stay safe, and, uh, you know, just keep finding ways to, to get better. Thank you.